Good Friday, Faniners. This is Sergio here, just letting you know that if you enjoyed this episode, please check out the link tree in the episode description. If you are one of our fans in Texas or just wants a chance to see us live, I will be attending Colossal Con Texas in Round Rock on the 17th to the 20th. See you there. Hello there, so you think you can fanon. It is me, Phoenix, back from the Nether Realm after being banished by my colleagues. And today, I am now running this show again. Sergio, you were supposed to throw the key away. I thought I did, but... what? How the fuck did... They cannot hear me at the moment, because what? I am controlling things. What the fuck? How did he escape containment? I... You know, I think we left Sean in charge of uh, the containment duty. I think he was on the schedule for last week. Oh, that makes sense. All right, you're free. You're free, Phoenix. You're damn right I am. And guess what? Because I'm controlling things, I get to pick the story now. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. So what are we looking at, Phoenix? Uh, On a midnight dreary, I uh, discovered something on a wonderful family-friendly website called 4chan. Uh, about a, a little Pokemon game called Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Never heard of it. Exactly. Uh, but just a tiny little game where you play as a little Pokemon and you do things in a Pokemon world as a Pokemon. Uh, if there's any furries out there, uh, you know, you know the reason why you're a furry and it's because you played this damn game. Well, I also played this game. I did end up a furry. I also did. Don't worry, it takes some time to kick in. But, uh, anyways, what I found on this Pokemon Mystery Dungeon General was uh, a group of people, kind uh-huh. of like a SCP-type deal, where a lot of people come together and make a bunch of stories in a kind of collective universe. Uh, made by completely anonymous people, but there's some, like, big people who make, like, main stories and such. Uh, some other people sometimes come on, make stories, make drawings. But, uh, I thought it was real interesting, because I was reading through this, and I was like, wow, this really appeals to my autism. That's really interesting. And also, since I uh, since you brought up SCPs, I actually learned of a uh, a thing on the SCP wiki that's no longer a thing, but I think it might be responsible for Jake and his hatred of hyperlinks. Um, there used to be a thing called the WikiWalk Project, which was this insane idea that back when like there is no canon wasn't a thing and everything was canon that the uh the technical team would go through and add cross links and change articles to connect to the larger universe as like a because it's like the wiki walk project so it was intentionally like supposed to like uh, like join every page on the wiki into one big web and I had stumbled across like a, uh, a, a like a comment um, on an on like a series one article uh, talking about a propo- like a wiki walk proposal and how they could change the article's content to connect to other things and I'm like this is psychotic <laughs> yeah that would kill me 
it's like it's like those it's like those people on on twitter who are consistently like oh uh this standalone movie should connect to a fucking cinematic universe or whatever yeah you know werewolf by night definitely needs to have implications on the greater mcu you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i was thinking that man thing should be a secret kang, kang variant that's the isn't man thing dc <laughs> No, Swamp Thing is DC. Man Thing was Marvel. He was in the Werewolf by Night special. Dude, they're the same fucking thing. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, fuck man, it. Had Beast Boy in there thing. too. I didn't know Man Thing existed. I haven't seen Werewolf by Night since it fucking came out. What the fuck is Man? There's a movie. Yeah, there was a, a sci-fi movie. <laughs> it made so. It made what? <laughs> Six. It's five to seven million dollar budget. One point one million dollar box office. I can't wait for a movie that just makes one dollar. So Man Thing is just a rip off of Swamp Thing, right? Uh, actually, Man Thing came out a few months before. You're fucking kidding me. Uh, I'm not. May 1971, You're... Man Thing. Oh, July 1971, Swamp Thing. Can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> <laughs> Stole, stole that idea right under their noses. Speaking of um, DC ripping off Marvel characters, do you know about? I think his name's Flipside. What does he do? Um, I've never heard of Flipside. No, it's um. Hold on, they made a they made a sideways. I'm gonna post a picture of this character, and you're gonna you're gonna tell me who he reminds you of. I'll just post it in uh, meme channel. Also, it looks like there was talk of legal action between Marvel at Marvel about the Swamp Thing thing. Because here's the thing: Swamp Thing was created by like a shower thought, and Man Thing was also created like independently of knowing about like a Swamp Thing. But Swamp Thing and Man Thing have like the same origin, and they were like, "Do we need to sue them, or like, is this uh-huh. a coincidence?" Yeah, I posted a picture. The pictures and me. He looks channels. like Spider Man. He does look like Spider Man, but he looks really fucking cool. It looks like if Captain yeah, Boomerang yeah. became Spider Man. He's kind of cool. He was. I think he was a new fifty. No, he was a post new fifty two. He was a rebirth. Um, like new character creation that like got his own book and then just kind of like, uh just kind of failed comic wise. Damn. Because he was like a brand new character with no ties to anything else who just got his own book and then no one was like everyone was like, I don't want to fucking read this. What what's his superpower? It looks like he can like make riffs and shit. Um he can what are his powers? He can he can dimensionally teleport. <laughs> That's Transdimensional cool. travel, teleportation, superhuman strength, and durability. I'm not sure why he's called sideways, because I feel like that would be like a gravitational power name. Yeah, I was thinking of flip side from Spider-Man 2099 <laughs> when I said flip side. <laughs> which is which is this guy. Who is more obviously a ripoff of Spider-Man because he's supposed to be. Isn't there like 50 Spider-Man ripoffs within the Spider-Man universe? I mean not really. It's just other Spider-Men. 
Yeah, I'm glad Spider. Well, I mean, obviously, like the the like the like the Spider-Man like mirror image is like Venom, but there's not just like this is Dark Spider-Man. His name is fucking oh, no, like Peter Darker. There is. He's just <laughs> he's just not really around. There is just like an inverse, like 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 Marvel Phase One, like flip side of Spider-Man. I think Jacob. Yeah. Left. I'm pretty sure his name is also Flipside. <laughs> I think it's like the main continuity Flipside. So, anyways, about this story. Yes. Have you checked into this at all? I, I, I know they have like an image guru, and obviously they have like a website for it. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. His name is Webman, my bad. Yeah, uh, the website for this is cloverguild.com if you want to know about it uh dear viewers but um yeah uh it, it it has a buru it has its main website but it's it's also on 4chan under the uh, forward slash pmdg forward slash pokemon mystery dungeon general check meme channel sergio for webman the origins of webman gotcha i don't think he's canon but um he exists. It says he's from Earth 57780. So he's definitely not canon. But yeah, he's he's just uh, he's a he has all the opposite traits of Spider-Man. But he's because of that he's just really stupid. <laughs> because he's the opposite of Spider-Man who is a genius, so he's really fucking dumb. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I did look a little bit into this. Apparently, uh, in this world, it takes place in the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon universe, where humans unexplicably turn into Pokemon for some fucking reason. Mm-hmm. It just happens, man. You know, it, it just happens. But Is it um, just like humans are incompatible in the po- in in this Pokemon world. So when they like no, transfer they... over, they turn. It's weird because like there there's like this tribalistic like Pokemon society or well high tribalistic as I will call it because they got good society things unlike cavemen but uh, it's like these like separate islands full of Pokemon but there's no humans whatsoever they exist. And those tribal Pokemon do know about humans. However, we never see them in the games. Uh, unless they're in, like, Rescue Team. Uh, I didn't play that, though, because I'm a loser. I only played Explorers of Darkness and Sky. I stopped after Explorers of Darkness. I believe. I played Red and Blue Rescue Team, and that's it. Yeah, I played Red and Blue Rescue Team, Explorers of Time and Darkness, but I never went any farther than that. I, I heard the newer games are okay, but uh, for me, it peaked at Sky. I was interested in playing the Red and Blue remake that came out, but like I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Yeah, it's because nobody talks about the Mystery Dungeon games anymore. It's sad. 
Nintendo no, make a new one. Who talked about the new ones was a VTuber that turned out to be like a manipulator abuser and disappeared from the internet. Damn. That that sounds like the average Mystery Dungeon fan. I just like I was never like great at those games and basically I would almost have to pick like pick Pikachu because Pikachu would get like an AoE move because what would happen is like like it explores a time of darkness I get to the final boss with Darkrai and there'd be like a horde of Pokemon and it's like I don't know how I don't know I legitimately don't know how to do this so I would make a new game select Pikachu play the long game to get discharged and spam it to beat the final boss uh the, the tip is get a shit ton of revive seeds this is true. I also never did like any of like the super hard like end game dungeons. I, mean, I know uh, Time and Darkness had a bunch of those. Yeah, Zero Isle. Were those also like the like the download ones that you could get? I never got those ones because I didn't know what the internet was as a kid. Bro, Serebi.net used to be my shit. Yeah, I found. There's so many websites that are like, like Serebi or like Bulbapedia. Um, there's also a Pikmin one, like Pikminpedia, Pikpedia. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like what what fan like fandom like the website fandom, not like being in a yeah like formerly known as Wikia. Um, or like what they were. Is what like Bulbapedia, Pikminpedia, stuff like Serebi are now like without the fall from grace. The Nintendo Independent Wiki Alliance, as it is called, according to this webpage, because they're all connected. I didn't know that, but Serebi and Bulbapedia, and I'm assuming Pikminpedia, are of like a higher quality than your traditional fan oh, yeah. fan wiki. Okay, I guess Serebi is not connected to the rest, but Bulbapedia is. This is crazy. Dude, they got a Pikmin fanon wiki as part of this bitch. Holy shit. New episode. Yeah, new episode. New <laughs> Pikmin Friday. Episode. We're talking about new Pikmin colors. Let's see what colors <laughs> hey, they got. Hey, in this hey we'll no, no, I'm running the show now. I get to pick what topics are now. But they have green Pikmin. <sighs> Alien Pikmin. Uh, come on, man. But are Pikmin aliens? Oh, no, no, they live on the pla- the Pikmin planet that you're on, right? Live, yeah, PNF4. Technically, where are the aliens in this scenario? Yeah, Pikmin's actually about imperialism and capitalism <laughs> being bad. And you can't deny that. 10,000 no Poco Matt debt. Would, no matter how much Matt would try to deny it. <laughs> Pikmin is inherently anti-capitalist, just like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon is anarcho-capitalism. It's it's anarcho-primitivism. Oh, anarcho-primitivism. That's what it's called. Going back to, like, primitive times. No electricity. You just fucking work the land. I guess it's not really that primitive because they do have physical currency that they use, but... Well, they have physical currency in, like, the medieval era. I mean, yeah. Uh, so they're anarcho-primitivists who just want to go back to, like, you know, medieval. Like, I am a I am a fucking pe- peasant farmer, and I work my farm from sunrise to sunset and pay my taxes to the local serf. 
that that's basically fucking mystery that's dungeon. You do you do quests for a guild and then you get taxed ninety percent of your reward money. That's my dream, like in life, is to be a just to be the the local peasant farmer for a serf who's recruited into a into a militia to fight for somebody who doesn't know I exist. Just as God intended. Just as God rightfully intended. So let's actually read this now. Yes. 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 So if you check in fanfic links, I linked uh, a couple. Uh, the first one being Gathering, which is kind of the story that kind of kicks off this universe. So what you'd like to start with, Phoenix? This is your show. Yes. Yes. So you think you can Phoenix show? Yeah. So so you think you can rebirth? All right, so I think we should let uh, Phoenix narrate. Um, I don't want I don't want birth to be part of this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's either we do rebirth or we do unbirth. Take your pick. I'm pro choice. <laughs> <laughs> clap, everyone! Clap, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> Uh, we also have uh, an uh, an Oshawott named Gus and a Sneasel character. I want to be Gus. All right. Uh, I guess I'll take the Sneasel. There's quite a few characters in Gathering, but um, <clears throat> whoever shall we takes, begin? I, I, hold on. I see there's a Crab Brawler. Whoever's taking the Crab Brawler, please voice him like Mr. Krabs. Phoenix, Mr. Squidward. I could probably do that. All right, Sergio, would you like to narrate? Uh, I was narrating, y'all. Yeah, I, I, I told Phoenix he would oh. narrate. Okay. <clears throat> Gathering, a Clover Guild story by Rabombi add-on. Anon. It was a big day at the Blue Claw Inn, as Capem Town's most popular place for food, drink, and rest it often held small performances and events. But today was special. The legendary traveling singer, Meloletta, was visiting the town for the first time in years, and she was teaming up with Capem's very own Polytoad to perform some songs. The entire town was buzzing with excitement, which only grew as sundown approached, and with it, the main event. Pokemon began migrating to the tavern over an hour before the performance. Most went in, but some of them lingered outside. One such Pokemon was a Meowstic with a gold bracelet. He gave odd looks to some Pokemon, but never spoke to any of them. Everyone assumed he was a bouncer or waiting for a friend, and paid him little mind. After all, their thoughts were mostly taken up with anticipation. They couldn't wait to see a performance by the world-famous singer. The first floor of this inn was mainly occupied by its tavern, a well-lit, rustic sort of room with a bar at one end of the stage in one corner. All around the tavern, tables of various sizes and heights, suitable for all kinds of Pokemon, were densely packed together. The smaller tables were closer to the stage, with the bigger ones being farther back, so nobody's view would be blocked. A Meloetta and a Politoed with a lute sat on a pair of stools on stage, quietly talking to each other, and sometimes chatting with members of the eager crowd. Off to the side, the tavern keeper, a boisterous crab brawler, 
took orders with the aid of two indeedy barmaids. They all watched the slowly gathering crowd, eager at the cash they would rake in from the event. This was shaping up to be the most lucrative day in a long time. At last, the scheduled time arrived. Meloetta rose from her stool, nodded to Politoed, and hovered above the stage. Politoed played a quiet, formless tune as Meloetta spoke to the audience. Her voice amplified and bright. She thanked them all for coming and announced the songs she and the Ludus would perform, a mix of songs of her own invention as well as traditional tunes. After one round of applause, the performance began. Meloletta started with a set of four songs, accompanied by the lute. She sang high and clear, effortlessly hitting every note and sliding between them like water. Polytoad's instrument harmonized with her perfectly, and sometimes Polytoad himself sang in a deep voice alongside the lead singer's melody. The lyrics of each song were filled with powerful emotions and imagery of beautiful nature, but often bore a slight tinge of longing and melancholy. The entire audience sat enraptured by Meloletta's lovely voice, and applauded enthusiastically after each song. The fourth song seemed even more beautiful than the previous three. The lyrics began. Anybody want to sing this? No. Jake is the <laughs> singer here, so I narrate, I narrate him. I dominate him. I'm not doing that. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm doing the muscle man voice. <laughs> Permission to do it in the muscle man voice, Captain. I Phoenix go ahead. Charge of the episode. Oh, and in the springtime of the year, <laughs> the trees bear leafy crown, Mordecai. The ash and oak are standing tall, and the flowers grace the ground. You know who else graces the ground? <sighs> When the moonlight heals the noctowl in the coolness of the night, the shadows of the tree appear amidst our lantern light. We've been rambling all the night along the distant way. Now we wander back again and bring a garland gay. You know who else is bringing a garland gay? My mom. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Oh my god. I tr- we truly are bringing a Garland gay. <laughs> this song received the most applause. But a single Pokemon was dead silent after this performance. An Oshawott named Gus sitting near the front. Oh, the he had been staring at Meloletta all throughout this peculiar song. Because there was something very odd about it. Meloetta and Politoed bowed and announced they would take a short break before continuing. They went backstage, a low rumble filled the tavern, as the Patreons began to chat and order drinks and food. Meanwhile, Gusbar bowed his head and fell into deep thought. There were two other Pokemon at the table with him. A Sneasel sat on the floor cushion beside him, and a Rabombi sat on the table itself. They easily noticed his lack of applause, and they were watching his reactions curiously. 
Not a fan of that song, huh? The Sneasel asked with a smirk. Gus gave a gave a start and looked over at her, and she shrugged. I getcha. Music's not my thing either. Booker here, that's the Rabombi. Drag me to this dumb event. I couldn't care less. No. Gus interrupted. You've got the wrong idea. I'm a fan of the music, and that was a beautiful song. But it sounded so familiar. I swear I heard a song like that before, and the voice. Really? Must be a coincidence. No, I mean, I think the melody and lyrics were a bit different, but it was basically the same song. Sneasel cocked her head to the side. Weird. Never thought Meloetta would rip off someone else's song, considering she's such a goody-goody. Who sang the version you're thinking of? Gus almost replied automatically, but hesitated. He knew the name of the singer, but wasn't sure if he'd say it among all these Pokemons. Because it, it wasn't a Pokemon's name. It was a human name. The Oshawott, despite living in a place devoid of humans knew this name for one simple reason. He was, actually, a human from another world. For reasons unknown, he had been drawn into this world of Pokemon and transformed into one of those creatures himself. He had kept this secret thus far, concerned about how the native Pokemon would react to this revelation. But if he mentioned an obviously non-Pokemon name, like the name of the singer he had in mind, he feared his secret would come out. He worried what would happen if the Sneasel and Rabombi realized the name belonged to a human. And from that, they somehow deduced the bizarre truth. I'm waiting. Sneasel snapped. Startled, Gus replied without thinking. Lorena McKennett? Sneasel scoffed. (laughs) What kind of name is that? That's not a normal Pokemon name, right? Booker? Wait, what's wrong with you? She looked at her Rabombi partner, but found he was staring up at the Oshawa as he'd just seen a ghost. Booker gulped and steeled himself before stuttering. Uh, I've heard that name before. That, that's not a Pokemon name. That It's a human name. See, this is unrealistic, because I don't think I've ever met two people who know who Lorena McKenna is. I don't know who <laughs> Lorena McKenna is. I thought I was made up. Me too. Exactly. The Oshawott had a similar reaction to the Rabombi. He gasped, (gasps) stammered, and finally said, Wait, what? How how do you know what humans are? How do you know what humans are? Booker replied. Okay, wait a minute. Sneasel interjected. She looked at Gus and said, let me cut to the chase. You're a po- yeah, you're a human who came to another world. It turned into a Pokemon, right? Gus was nearly floored by the dark type spot on Gus. He stammered wordlessly, and Sneasel smirked again. Wonder how I figured it out. Let's say you're not the only one with that kind of sob story. She said as she lightly tapped Booker's head with a claw. He flinched and glared up at her. Gus stared down at the Rabombi. No, the human turned Rabombi, according to Sneasel. Gus had thought he was the only person with this peculiar predicament, but if Sneasel was to be believed, he was not alone. And if there was one more human here, how many others? All of a sudden, another voice said, 
Uh, I'll take this. Excuse me. The trio looked to see a Vulpix approaching. He had his head low and his ears perked straight up. My name's Mick. I, I heard you. I think I heard you wrong, but you're saying you're humans? Bro's a Vulpix named Nick. <laughs> Guess Between the that and the Oshawott named Gus, that's crazy. Continue. On Sneasel muttered, Phoenix. Uh, Sneasel muttered. She pointed at the Rabambi and Oshawott and said, Not me, but these two are. Got a problem with that? No, not at all. The Vulpix replied. He lowered his voice and continued. I'm just surprised. I thought I was the only human here. Oh no, not another one. Racist bottom text. (laughs) Are there any other humans I ought to know about? Dealing with one was weird enough, and now there's two more, you guys. Keep keep your voice down, Booker hissed. Let's let's not cause a scene. It was too late. The scene had already begun. Drawn by Sneasel's outburst, a loud crowd soon gathered around the table with Gus, Booker, Nick, and Sneasel. Gus and Booker shied away from them, while Nick eagerly talked with them, and Sneasel fruitlessly told everyone to back off. Their voices were a mess of sound. It was easy to deduce the topic of the conversation. Humans. Most of the members of this crowd were claiming to be humans transformed into Pokemon and brought to this new world, while the rest were native Pokemon who had become partners of those hapless humans. None of them had expected to find so many others in the same situation. They began talking in loud voices, discussing what happened to them, what their lives were like before this, and how they all ended up in this town, and more. That's that's something about that's really funny to me. Like every pair of Pokemon in the entire city is a human and a Pokemon, but all of them are keeping it a secret so nobody else is suspicious. Uh, this is where like secret can't comes out. It will be explained. Your Squidward. He's Squidward. He's Squidward. <laughs> are there any other Squidwards I should know about? No, I'm a cop. You know, it's like the it's like everybody's a mystery dungeon protagonist because you know it's the human turned Pokemon with another Pokemon. That's basically <laughs> what the Clover Guild is—a uh, bunch of po- humans turned Pokemon. I, I had this thought because it's four chan, uh, but like a racist four chaner gets turned into a Pokemon, and he like slaps Pikachu on the shoulder and goes, "Ah, Pikachu, you're one of the good ones." Pikachu's like. Good ones. I'm, I'm not, not hanging out okay. with no dirty ground type. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not fucking joking. There's literally a Chespin character who hates ice types and refers to them as a slur. Chillers. Chillers. It's funny as a fuck. I was thinking like a mammal Pokemon supremacist. Not like a type, but like just overall like mammalian Pokemon are better. No, I'm thinking just fully just like typist. Like typist. fucking... If I you mean, yeah, there is quite type, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> you. You fucking ice type, you get the fuck out of here. We don't serve your kind. <laughs> Anyways. <clears throat> they paid no mind to the rest of the tavern. The other patrons were murmuring, staring awkwardly at the gathering of strange Pokemon, wondering at their constant mention of humans, and generally acting annoyed. One group of patrons even left the tavern in frustration, 
and indeed barmaid approached and asked the ratty group to keep quiet, but she was ignored. Didn't take long for the tavern keeper to himself to intervene. Oi! The crab brawler bowed from bellowed from behind the counter. What do you think you lot are doing? Back to your seats! No throwing a bloody party in me tavern! What are you gabbing about? Humans? Bunch of rubbish! Half of the crowd fell silent at the booming voice of the crustacean, but the rest kept talking. Crab Baller growled and hopped up on the counter, waving his big claws around, snapping them open and shut with loud cracks. Well, if you lousy gits won't listen to me voice, maybe me claws ought to do the talking. You would have lunged into the crowd and started punching, had a sudden voice not yelled, WAIT! The entire tavern went quiet. Crab Brawler stopped and looked to see the blue Meowstick. He was hurrying over to the counter, waving his arms, one of which had a shiny gold band on the wrist. Wait! He repeated. I can explain. I'm with them. They're my friends. Crab Brawler snorted and snapped his claws one last time. Your friends be noisy buggers, laddie. Tell them to shut their mouths or get out of my tavern. Sorry, they just... They get carried away when they talk about humans. We're a... A club. I guess you could call us a club. We're lore enthusiasts, and we like studying legends. Stories of past heroes, the Dialga at Temporal Tower. The time a brave hero and his partner defeated Rayquaza at Sky Tower. That sort of thing. We especially like stories about humans. And sometimes we... We like to play pretend like we're really humans. It, uh, it helps us get immersed in the legends and understand them better. Crab Roller squinted at the Meowstic, then at the large crowd. The group was staring back at him. After a long and awkward pause, a Charmander took a step forward out of the group. He's right, she said. We, we just like fooling around. An Axew came forward and nodded. Yeah, sorry, we didn't mean to get carried away. It won't happen again. A chessman chimed in. The crowd murmured in agreement. Crab Roller grunted and looked back at the Meowstic. Hey, if you keep to your promise, I'll forgive and forget. But if ye cause more trouble, ye answer to my claws. And ye may lay to that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. The Meowstic said. He went over to the group and told them it was time to leave. Despite some protests from those who wanted to stay and hear some more music, the group agreed to join the Meowstic and leave the tavern. Despite having never met him before, they could all tell they were looking out for them, and even willing to lie to help them out. They trusted him, and they were curious to learn more about him. They all rose and tried to ignore the dirty looks being shot at them from all the other tavern patrons as they fly out of the building one by one. The Meowstic led the Pokemon, who numbered around a dozen or so, out to Capem Town and the cool late evening air. They walked down to the winding pass among these dense foliage and the towering stumps of the ancient trees. The sun had set, and the only light that came from the eerily glowing plants scattered around the town, as well as some warm lanterns and candles shining from the windows of various buildings. They soon reached a large, round plaza of cobblestone at the edge of town. Multiple paths split off into this plaza, some going back 
into the town, others leading out into the wilds, with a tall multi-armed signpost to guide the way. Some benches stood at the edges of the plaza, and the group sat on these while the miastic paced around, considering what to say next. At last, he looked at the Pokemon and approached them. Thanks for coming with me, everyone, he said. I'm Liam, and I guess I should start by saying I'm in the same situation as you guys, or at least most of you guys. I'm a human. I randomly woke up in this body just outside town and came here, probably around the same time as all of you. And as I was exploring the town, my psychic powers let me sense that some of the other Pokemon around me were actually humans. Since we all had that in common, I thought it would be a good idea for us to team up somehow. I was planning to take it slow and come up with a plan to gather us all together without any native Pokemon finding out our true identities. But that crab brawler forced me to do something, so now we're going now we're together sooner than I thought. I guess that's a good thing though. Do you want me to be the Axew again, also? No, I guess. It sure is a good thing, said an Axew, as a Snivy beside him nodded. I like that Liam has two L's. Yep. Also, this is my line still, Sergio. Thanks for stepping up for us back there, Liam. Sneasel nodded as well, carefully, to avoid this lodging booker who was sitting on her head. Yeah, good thing you showed up where the tavern keeper got us. That crab's no joke. I've been thinking, I've been in this town long enough to know that. But now that we're all together, what now? You got a plan? Actually, yes. Liam said. I've been thinking about this ever since I learned there were other humans here with me. Here's the plan. We should make a guild. The crowd, the crowd murder, mur- murdered. <laughs> the crowd murmured. And Liam waited for them to quiet down yeah. before he continued. <laughs> you know that fucking uh, that TikTok of the fucking Irish kid giving all the anime characters fucking Irish names? And he's like, he's like, Denji? Oh, he's a right fucking Liam. He's a Liam. <laughs> he's a Liam. I fucking love that video. It's so funny. <laughs> we'll, buy a, we'll buy an empty building, fix it up, and start a business to help Pokemon. That way we can stick together, make a good name for ourselves, and we can earn money. What do you guys think? That's actually a good idea, said Gus. Better than all of us being on our own. Safety in numbers, right? Other Pokemon echoed this sentiment. Sneasel crossed her arms and nodded. You're right. This does sound like a good plan. You know, Liam, hearing you talk, I started to think you'd make a good leader for this guild of ours. What do you think, Booker? The Rabambi was startled by the sudden question engulfed as he saw everyone staring at him, awaiting his response. He avoided everyone's gaze and mumbled something, but Sneasel heard him, since he was right next to her ear. She smiled, then looked up at Liam and said, He thinks it's a good idea, too, so that's two votes for you. Make that three, Gus said. The rest of the Pokemon and humans turned Pokemon talked for a bit. Before long, they all agreed that the Meowstic would indeed be a suitable leader. Liam smiled and looked away sheepishly. Well, if you all think so, I guess I can be the guild master. Liam said. I'll do my best to lead you all. Nick grinned at the Meowstic. Congratulations on the promotion then, guild master. Don't mess this up. <laughs> the crowd laughed, but it was a friendly laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Some even encouraged the new guild master and expressed their hopes for the new guild. 
With high spirits, the whole group gathered together and discussed their plans long into the night. The humans turned Pokemon still didn't have the faintest idea how they all came to this world, why they were transformed, or how many other hapless humans were out there. But they did know one thing. With new friends at their side, both human and Pokemon, they would make it through this. I find this really funny because it's like he just gr- grabbed a bunch of strangers and was like, hey, you want to throw yourselves headlong into mortal dangers in strange locations you've never been before? And they were like, yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds cool. Dude, being I'm a part not doing of a, anything else. <laughs> being a part of a guild is like the fucking like, that's like a high class job right there. True. That is true, but you also got a bunch of humans turned Pokemon who are just like, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it, we ball. Fuck it, we ball. Look, I got got the ability to shoot fire out of my mouth, and I'm ready to break several Geneva conventions on some Pokemon. I think we're good good for one more. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It it is very good. It's very well written. Yeah, I think we have time for one more. Yeah, the next one in the the order is uh, it's called Map. Uh, I have it in the fanfic fanfic links channel. Map. I see Booker's uh, it's, journal. Yeah, Booker's it's under Booker's, Booker's journal. journal, and then uh, it's the, the section labeled Map. What about the stuff above it? Uh, so, 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 basically, like on like the the timeline order, the second story is Map. Uh, but it got rewritten as a part of Booker's journal. Um, uh, so, like, if you go to like the map page, it's like this was rewritten, and then it you know links you to this. Sweet. <laughs> it looks map. like actually. Oh yeah, there's another one in here that's a rewrite. But we will read uh, the story entitled "Map." Yeah. Published in 1715. Wait, uh, this is. Damn, this actually was posted recently. Yeah, ten days ago. Yeah. Uh, this is obviously about Booker, obviously, from Booker's journal. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep the same roles, obviously, um, as before. The narrator is Booker, so... Th- there I stood, staring up at my giant enemy. And its clutches, high above my reach, and held the treasure I sought. A map. I, I couldn't negotiate with this colossus, and I couldn't defeat it in a fight. But but somehow, I had to claim my prize from it. Are you okay, Booker? I, I turned as I heard the familiar voice of Guildmaster Liam. The blue meowstick stood in the doorway looking at me. You've been staring at that bookshelf for a while. I sighed. I looked back at my enemy. The bookshelf stared back. It was scaled to moderately sized Pokemon so they could reach every shelf within the help of a step stool. But to a tiny Pokemon like me, it was a towering obstacle. I know. I needed something on top of the shelf, but I'm a Rabombi who can't even fly, so... What do you need? That map. Pointing at the rolled a piece of parchment bound with string, sitting at the edge of the utmost self. You probably already know this, but the guild doesn't have any really good complete map of the region. 
Ah, uh, yes. You've been working with Mackham to gather up some of our maps and use them to make a better map, right? Yeah, he said there was a map in a library he needs. Based on his description, I'm pretty sure that it's up there. I offered to get it down for him, but that was before I realized it was so high up. I can get it for you, said Liam as he stepped into the room. I saw his eyes begin to glow and his psychic powers activated. As if by instinct, I automatically held up my hand to stop him. Uh, no thanks. Uh, I'll do it myself. I I can't rely on everyone else all the time. Uh, the Meowstick nodded and backed away. I understand. Good luck. Call me if you need me. He left the room. Uh, I immediately regretted sending him away. But I didn't want to run after him, begging for help. In the end, I knew this was the right call. I sighed again and I crossed my arms, wondering what to do. The gossamer wings emerging from my back gave me no ideas. Try as I might, I, I was still unable to control them. Aside from a tiny twitch here and there, I spent a few weeks in this new body and I still couldn't comprehend how to control its new parts. If I could just move these wings, I muttered. Or if I was taller. Why did I get turned into something so tiny? All the other humans are so much bigger than me. I was taller than average when I was a human, but I'm one of the smallest Pokemon out there. <sighs> this must be some kind of cosmic joke. Paced around the room. How could I get to the top of the shelf? The sides of the bookshelf were smooth wood. Impossible to scale. The front of the bookshelf was no good either. The shelves were too far apart to climb like a ladder. While I could jump and grab onto the next shelf, my arms were too weak to pull myself up. Maybe if I had to use something else in this room. The tall potted plane in the corner could work. I could climb its trunk all the way up, jump over to the top of the bookshelf, and then drop down to the uppermost shelf from there. But uh, since the pot was smooth and flared out at the top, I couldn't climb it. The only way to reach the Trunk was to jump to the pot and to, from the nearby low table. The table had a haphazard pile of books to one side. Once I got the mess, I climbed the pile and got onto the table. I checked the gap between it and the potted plant, and it looked longer than I expected. As often I did, I began to second-guess myself. Still, this was the best idea I had, so I made a running start across the entire width of the table and leaped with all my might at the pot. I desperately willed my wings to move to increase my hang time as much as possible. As always, they refused to answer. I crashed into the edge of the pot, which knocked the wind out of me. My frail arms couldn't hold me up, and I slowly lost my grip and plummeted to the ground. For all the trouble my size gave me, at least it had some benefits. For example, my low weight meant I didn't build up as much speed while falling, so while this kind of fall would have crippled me if I were human, now it didn't hurt at all. I begrudgingly thanked my new form as I stood up unharmed, except for that bump into the side of the pot. I removed pacing, now with added frustration. Eventually, I decided that if nothing in the room could help me, maybe I could bring something from another room? or even make something myself. My mind began to swim with ideas as I 
hurried out in the library located on the second floor of the Clover Guild's base of operations. Its door led into a large lounge. It was currently occupied by a few of my fellow guildmates who were all chatting casually. A couple of them glanced my way and waved, feeling a pang of anxiety as her intention turned to me. I half-heartedly waved back and mumbled a greeting, and then focused on reaching the room just left of the library. The door led to a supply closet. It was dark and full of junk. Most of the large storeroom, much like the large storeroom down at the basement, this was this room was a mess. Although most of the rubbish was out of reach of various shelves or atop myriad of stacks, there was a plenty of items lying around on the floor. I hated seeing the state of the room. But this could be a blessing in disguise. I assumed I could find something useful among the more easily accessible clutter. I had an idea for what I might be able to build. And after some searching, I found what I needed. A very long piece of string and a small rock. I brought these unassuming items back to the library and spent a long time cursing my lack of fingers as I tried to tie the end of the string around the rock using my mouth along with both my hands. I somehow managed it and ended up with a wonderful rock on a string. It was crude, but it could solve my problem, hopefully. I stood in front of the bookshelf, then swung the rock around to build momentum before flinging it up towards the map at the top of the shelf. To my surprise, it actually got high enough, but it missed my target. I bounced off a book and it fell back down, landing beside me. With an exasperated sigh, I continued trying. After around a dozen attempts, I got the rock to fly over the map and land on the other side. Then, with one eager yank, the rock dislodged the map and sent it tumbling over the edge. I evaded the falling rock and caught the falling map. And a big grin spread over my face. I left my rock on a string behind me, planning to retrieve it later, and hoisted the map over my shoulder. Despite being even bigger than me, Extremely low weight and my insect strength made it trivial to carry. I ran out in the lounge, but skirted to the edge to avoid drawing attention from the group of Pokemon inside. The map room was adjacent to the lounge, making a, a quick trip, even for someone as small as me. Inside, Makam, the Mareep, sat at the low table and pored over the set of maps. The cartographer heard my quiet footsteps and looked over with a smile. I could sense he was a bit annoyed at the delay, but he was still happy that I brought what I needed. Uh, oh, you're back, he said. Uh, you got the map, huh? Uh, I nodded and came over to his side, then tossed the rolled-up map onto the table. I crossed my arms proudly, expecting to soon get the thumbs up, or whatever the equivalent would be for a hooved Pokemon. After all the effort I put into the task, then again... He thought of being praised made me a bit nervously awkward. Macum undid the string around the map using his mouth and hooves and then straightened it out and looked it over. He kept looking and looking. It took him a while before he finally looked back down at me and said, Um, Booker, this is the wrong map. That's the end. There's a little author's note uh, that it's a rewrite of the map story, which was published like math uh four months ago uh second story ever written for the clover oh shit this shit is recent 
published only one day after the project began. Unfortunately, it became outdated as the project's canon became more solidified. As such, I decided to edit it to fix those inconsistencies and republish here in Booker's journal. The original version can be found at a link. They've definitely been busybodies because they've already got quite a lot of content. Yeah. I think I found a new addiction for the past few months, maybe. <laughs> I definitely would be down to read more of this. Um, it's very good. I mean, we've only read stuff from Rabombi Annan, but Rabombi seems like a pretty good author. Yeah, uh, th there's a ton of fucking authors, and that doesn't even include, like, the shit we don't see from, like, the actual general threads. Mm -hmm. Also, was the do you know if the Coomer Syndiquil was just a joke, or that's actually a character? No, that's real. Oh, okay. The Coomer Syndiquil is a real character, and uh, I think he's, like, in cohorts with, like, a Smeargle character who makes art, and, like, Constantly oh tries God. to coerce. <laughs> he constantly <laughs> tries to coerce him to like make art. It's like it's just like, can you can you draw a guard of war? Uh, give it birth. <laughs> I, I, I do see in the non-canon section on the story timeline apprehended Cyndaquil featuring Fanby. <laughs> What oh, oh yeah, this, this this every it's it's in the for it's in the format of a of a four chan green text and yeah it's it, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this shit this shit is hilarious. Like there there's some serious actually like heartfelt written stuff, but then again, since it's being four chan, it's also four chan, and there's some funny shit as well. Mm -hmm. Hello. Hello? Hello. I'm back. Hi. I had to shit mid-recording. I as can't I do believe you, dude. You know what? You You're fired. I'm fired. You're fired. Fuck. Does that mean I can go home? No. Damn. So, Jake, you want to give your final thoughts on the Clover Guild? Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I, it feels like definitely something that we should we could come back to and get a lot out of. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of content. It's interesting. I like the concept. I like the setting. Especially, I really like the map just because the thought of someone fucking reincarnating as a like a small little bug type that can't fly and he's just like, my life sucks. Is <laughs> really funny. I I was thinking because I, I I couldn't think of what a Rabombi looks like in my head because I haven't uh um, I haven't played Pokemon in a while but I was thinking a lot of like Combi and I was like there's no way a Combi fucking like flies properly look at that like weird shape that it's in uh -huh. uh, Rabombi is like kind of like a small like pixie looking thing it has like like nub arms and legs. Yeah, I but just I just saw I just googled it. I think it is actually the second smallest Pokemon species. Uh the first smallest being uh Joltik. Mm -hmm. But they're pretty similar in size. 
So, so just think, this motherfucker is the size of your fucking finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a Rabambi is uh, eight eight inches, point uh, two meters, uh, and is one pound. Hell, post a fucking image for. I also looked up Combi. Combi is 12 pounds. That's crazy. <laughs> He's full of honey. That thing's heavy. That thing's heavy as fuck. It just puts rocks in its uh in its little combs. That's why it's so heavy. But yeah, is there anything else we want to talk? We want to mention? Uh, I, I I also just had the thought. Uh, you know about the the B the B method of attack where they all swarm something and they just like start rubbing themselves on it to like heat up their target so they just like roast. That definitely has happened yeah. to a human being in the Pokemon universe. Oh, I'm gone. <laughs> fucking fucking just fucking a bunch like thirty of... thirty B drills rub on you and fucking kill you. <laughs> you just turn into a fucking raisin as all the water evaporates from your body. Oh, Man, not... po- oh sorry. I didn't make the Pokemon universe is fucked up. True. No, I, I single-handedly think a Beedrill is one of the most terrifying Pokemon, if it were to be real. Yeah, yeah. a wasp that's like the size of your fucking torso. Yeah, it's uh, Beedrill is, is is three feet sixty five pounds. It is a small child bee with wings. Dude, is it like Stinger, like the size of, like a forty millimeter fucking round? It would have to be, judging by its proportions. Insanity. Uh, Beedrill's be- well. Japanese name is just the the Japanese word for spear. Spear, like a like a spear, spear. Yeah, like I like you know, like this, like a throne spear. Mm-hmm. It's 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 funny. It goes, uh, Weedle is just beetle, like B E E D L E. Kakuna is just cocoon, and the beedrill is spear. Spear. Beer. You gotta you gotta love the Japanese names. And we oh, thought yeah. Seal was unoriginal. <laughs> I bet you Seal's Japanese name is just Seal. No, it's pa- Pawo? P-A-W-O? P-A-W-O-U. That might just be Seal in Japanese. Uh, Pawo may be derived from the automatopoeia of a seal's bark. So it's a sound a, se- a seal makes, but not seal itself. Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I guess if we went by that logic, seal would just be named Egg. Egg. I always find it Drag- funny that... I find it funny that countries have, like, different ideas of the sounds that animals make. Mm-hmm. Because you think that's just something that we'd agree on. Yeah. Alright, well, I love the audience today.
I'm ambivalent towards them. Phoenix, you get to decide if we love the audience because you're in charge of the episode. I think that the audience is the audience. So true. Bestie.